Number two is all of the promises will that his return will be unexpected. So no matter how hard we try to figure out when it's going to happen, we won't know. Jesus doesn't have a Google calendar appointment for when he's coming yeah. back. It's not marked yeah. up on the... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think critically and develop your faith on your own. We're here to be your guides. We're here to challenge you. We're here to encourage you. But ultimately, your faith and your knowledge is in your hands, and you need to be an active participant in growing both of them. So we are here. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host, and we can't do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, the one, the only, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, my mama always said that after God made me, he broke the mold. <laughs> so I guess I am the one and only. So greetings to you. Uh, the mission of the Salty Pastor, as Jesse said, is to help you grow your faith. So my question is, what are you doing to ensure the strength of your faith? Are you taking steps to really develop what you're going to need when the world spins out of control? And what we're seeing is exactly that. So the Salty Pastor is all designed to coach you in how to strengthen your faith, give you the tools, the techniques, but also the constructs, the information, the teaching uh, that will help you achieve that mission and purpose for your faith. So welcome to the Salty Pastor. I'm glad that I can be here with you. So ultimately, we love to encourage people to get mm -hmm. them moving forward, moving yes. forward in your life, in your faith, in your jobs, in your careers, with your family. These are all things. It's a refreshing. We talked about this in, with joy. It's a, a renewal or a refreshing of your mind, your spirit, your, your body. And Part of that is your faith. You need to be yep. refreshing your faith. You need to be moving forward in your faith. Mm -hmm. And we want to be here to encourage you to do that. And there's some people out that are really desperate and need encouragement to get moving forward in their yeah. faith. Yeah. So talk to me, Pastor. What do you have to encourage people to move forward with their faith today? <laughs> well, our series is Get Up and Go. I've loved this series because it's just been a practical, you know, we're on the 10th step. Uh, you can pick and choose different ones. You know, I uh, started off really strong with Pastor Harv. You know, I really loved the one on make a decision. Mm. You know, we really need to make decisions. I, I enjoyed the one my son did on be generous. I really liked that one a lot. And so those are ones that just, those are specific things that as soon as you start doing them, you see immediate impact. Right. And uh, today what we're going to do is something I think re people really need to focus on, and that is be prepared. You need to live your life as if it is heading somewhere because it is. You need to live your life as if you're going to have to to make a sacrifice. You know, all life requires decisions. Those decisions always have sacrifices. You're picking and choosing from one or the other because and that happens. If you do not realize this, then you lose your freedom to choose your own sacrifice. Mm. You know, you lose your freedom to be able to say this is what I'm going to do. For instance, uh, the way this works is, you know, there's two times of uh, pain in life. There's the pain of regret, and then there's the pain of discipline. And so you can, you know, sacrifice to discipline yourself for an outcome, which allows you to choose. But if you don't live that way and you make a mistake, then you have the pain of regret and that never goes away. There's nothing you can do about it. So you lose your capacity to choose your sacrifice. So in this current environment today, um, I've been getting lots and lots of questions about, 
Do you think that we are in the end times, Pastor, when you look at what's going on? Are we in the end times or not? And so I think today we're going to focus on being prepared. So, I mean, I've been hearing a lot of that, too. Um, and it's it's come from very different people. That's the interesting thing is there's some people yeah. that I, I've, I've seen that I would have never thought would have kind of had that thought process. Like mm-hmm. they're not they're not actively studying the end times. They're just kind of like oh, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the things. And then there's people yeah. that have been really digging into it that are also like, oh, I think this is it. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of a broad base of people that are talking about this. And I think everyone's on different spaces about whether it is or isn't. And they come looking to you to see mm-hmm. what someone who's spent a lot of time studying the Bible would say about this. Yeah. Um, so how big of a deal, according to the New Testament, is the end times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we get this question a lot and we're going to, we've always gotten it, it, it over the last 34 years of full-time ministry. I would say three really big times uh, or three seasons over that 30 some years. So I'd say about once a decade or so, it really becomes a hot topic. Uh, the very first decade it, it started back in the late eighties, there was kind of this big wave of, of talking about it. And then at the year 2000, and because there was this Y2K, belief, right? yeah, Y2K, that everything, calendar. yeah, and everything was going to fall apart. And then people were like, no, no, it's a Mayan calendar. It's actually 2012. It's not 2000. So, and then John Cusick made that crazy movie yep. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But what happened is, um, uh, I think though, that it reason it keeps coming back up is because in the New Testament, it is a big deal. I mean, there's it a really whole, is. there's a whole book devoted to it. There's right? a whole book <laughs> devoted to it. The book of revelation, otherwise known as the apocalypse. And, uh, there are over 100 passages in the new Testament alone. So you think there's 27 books in the new Testament. There's over a hundred passages. So you're talking around f- an average of four references per book. If you were to kind of just distill it out that way. So there's a lot about it. And the, the, the reason why is because you have to step back a moment and realize the overall basic ethos of Christianity. And that is Jesus, who is God created the universe, created this entire space time continuum in which we exist. Um, science out there accepts this as a fact that there was a beginning and therefore there will be an end. Uh, not that Jesus science doesn't say Jesus started it, but it says there is a beginning. Now you and I were created in the image of God. And what this basically means is that all human beings are sentient. We have value because we're created in his image. We mean this means we have free will and we're relationally oriented. So things like love and uh, bonding and kindness and all of these things are real things. Love is a real thing. It's not just an illusion as an atheist would say. Um, we at the very beginning invited evil into this world because we have free will because we're created in his image. And in doing so we became tainted. So there's kind of this taint out there. And so that basically means that even the best things about us, unconditional love, honor, kindness, virtue, sexual intimacy, mercy can be tainted, manipulated, or perverted by this taint. Satan can use this taint to pervert it and create more taint. So Jesus Christ comes into this in order to pay the price to remove the taint of sin. That's why he died on the cross. His resurrection from the dead proves that he achieved 
what he said he came to do, and that is break the power of death over us. And so now we're in this thing, what I call the gap. The gap. The gap. Not the store, right? It's not the store. We can't get bargain khaki pants here? No, you cannot get bargain khaki pants in this gap. The gap is a period of time where people are given the free choice to be set free spiritually, to come to know Jesus Christ, right, as Lord and Savior. And then we know at some point this period of time ends and Jesus will come a second time in victory so that he will take what the victory that's already achieved in the spiritual realm and then he's going to bring that victory to the material realm. Now you got to be careful that we're, you don't divide those two too much, you know, because we're not dualists where there's this massive division between spiritual and material. They influence each other. This is why Jesus said, you know, the way to pray, you say, Lord, you know, as your will in heaven, let it be done here on earth. Mm. So so there's things happening here on earth, you know, this battle against um, evil and the principalities happens in the material world. And that battle will continue along on according to the will of God until he says, okay, we're going to bring this to an end. And up until that point, human beings are free to choose whether they will follow Christ and be saved by him or not. So we're in this thing called the gap. So, I mean, Jesus coming back is kind of a big deal, yes, obviously. I mean, we're, it's kind of the, the finish line on this thing. It's a, yes. it's a hard deadline um, as far as people making a choice, whether they're going to, Correct. To, to accept him as their Lord and Savior. But it also, I mean, I, mean, I growing up, read the Left Behind series. Did yes. you ever read any of oh, these? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, watched the movies with Kirk Cameron in them. And yeah. so it's like there was a whole thought process, and people are pretty focused on this whole end times thing. And everyone yeah. gives it a different spin, but ultimately it is a victory. Like there are things that will happen that are not going to be super fun for the people that are still here. Correct. But ultimately it is a victory it's going to be a mm-hmm. glorious return it's what we're all striving for it's what we're hoping for um and so that's kind of the big deal so what what can we know specifically about how that's going to unfold in his return what's what are we looking at well all of these passages uh in my opinion can be categorized into basically four promises okay you know so i kind of i do it now these are not divinely inspired categories but I think uh, based on just reading them and knowing them and studying them over the last 35 years, they've kind of fallen to four areas that okay. help me understand them. And the, the first one is the promise of his returning. And so the promise is he is going to return, he will return, and there's no question about that. Number two is all of the promises will, that his return will be unexpected. So no matter how hard we try to figure out when it's going to happen, we won't know. Jesus doesn't have a Google calendar appointment for when he's coming yeah. back. It's not marked yeah. up on the. Yeah. What, what is that? You know, when people tweet or do social media, you know, the big show's coming to yeah, town. Yeah, the event's coming. Get your tickets, <laughs> you know. Kind of, yeah, there's, there's no uh, uh, knowledge of exactly when it's going to happen. There's a bunch of verses that talk about that. The third promise is the condition of the culture and the world in which we live prior to his return. And so this, those are called the last days. 
promises. There's lots of promises about those. And then finally, the promises on how we can prepare for it. There is, there's these promises that this is how you prepare for his second coming, for his return. So you know you're ready. So before we started recording today, um, you did send me an email with some of these verses and you kind of, you made it easy for me. You categorized them <laughs> a little bit. So I'm going to read them. And then what I'd like you to do is kind of chime in on what these verses are talking about uh, in relation okay. to these categories you've made and promises he's, he's made. So we're going to start first in John 14, one yes. through three, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to to prepare a place for you and I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself where that, where I am, you may also be mm-hmm. Hebrews nine twenty eight says, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And then John six 39 through 40 says, and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father and that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. We'll see. These are the question. These are all in the category and there's a, there's a bunch more, but these are, are really primary uh, about his promise to return. And I think what's really important is to note a couple things. And in John chapter 14, he says, let your heart not be troubled. Let your heart not be troubled. Believe in me because I will come again and I will take you to myself. So it's really important to understand is that when he returns, the goal is to bring people unto himself. Right. And so, and that's what's uniquely about heaven is that heaven is a Christian concept. It's so funny. Excuse me. When I'm listening to people in America talk, I I remember I was a number of years ago when Oprah still had her show. They were talking about heaven. This, she was talking to this gal who had like passed away or something a little bit and saw a light, said she went to heaven and came back or something like that. And so Oprah was just like, well, there's many different ways to get to heaven. You know, everybody has their own journey. They're like a river, she said, that all have different tributaries, but they all end up in the same, same ocean. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's Muslims and, you know, and then somebody stood up and said in the crowd and said, well, actually, that's not true. <laughs> um, you know, and so then there was a big argument on Oprah there for a while about that, about how this person who said that's not true was narrow-minded and bigoted and stuff. Unfortunately, truth tends to be true. And what nobody really understood is that in Islam, there is no heaven. People don't realize that there's, there is paradise but paradise is a reward given to you by Allah. Okay. It's given to males and paradise is base, is kind of described as a, a wondrous Island with all the food and wine that you can drink and, uh, virgins, uh, right. women that you can have sex with, but it's not, Allah is not there because Allah is, you do not want to be in the presence of Allah. See, you want to have the favor of Allah and you want to ha- let Allah be merciful, but you don't want to be in his presence. But right here in John chapter 14, it says, 
Jesus says, I will bring you to myself. In Hinduism, there is no heaven. There's zero heaven in Hinduism. Okay. There's no heaven in Buddhism. Right. There's no heaven in ancestral worship. And so the heaven is a uniquely Christian concept. And what's fascinating to me is that so many secular Americans are like, Hey, I want to go to heaven and I'm going to get there my own way. And I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> I, I just don't get that, that you're so, um, gosh, what's a good way to say this, that you're so intellectually challenged and dishonest with yourself that you could believe something so foolish as that, mm. that, that there is something that I don't have anything to do with that there is a God that created it. And then I have the audacity to tell him that he better let me in based on my criteria. Right. I'm just like, bro, you are not thinking critically. You are not <laughs> thinking critically. You have two basic options. Okay. An atheist is a lot more honest than you are. An atheist and, is a lot more honest than you are. And that's because saying an honest, something. Yeah, because we've is, talked about atheism and on I, this show. The honest, at least an atheist is being honest and says, I don't believe it. You know? Right. There's nothing more dishonest and foolish than saying, I'm going to dictate to a God I say I believe in that he has to let me into heaven based on my criteria. Because when you're what you're doing is, first and foremost, is that you don't really believe in God. When you make God up, you've just created an idol. It talks about this in the Old Testament, about the foolishness of men who carve figures out of wood and then bow down and pray to it. It's ridiculous. Right. But that's exactly what you're doing. That's the American form of what secular Christianity is today, is that people just make up their God. Well, if I'm going to believe in a God, he's like this. And really all you're doing is transferring. You're, you're imposing what you think you want. So there's nothing more narcissistic and self-centered than saying God is going to accept me into heaven based on my own criteria. I mean, that's just absurd. And so I think this is why Jesus said it's a lot harder for a rich person to get into heaven uh, because then an eye, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the reason why is because wealth fuels and propagates this foolishness in people who are secular. They believe they have more power than they do. Exactly. And so I, I think, I think that's, what's really interesting about it is that Jesus says, I will bring you to myself. And he says, I will come and I will do it. And in verse, in chapter six, it says, uh, quotes, Jesus is saying, this is the will of him who sent me. And I think that's great. I will raise you up on the last day in Hebrews, where he says the, the son of man or the, the Messiah will appear a second time, not to deal with sin. So see the first time it was to deal spiritually with the sin, the taint, right? Right. Now the second time it says, but to save those who were eagerly waiting for him. So, so there's a real powerful thing that he's coming back. It's a powerful promise. It may happen in your lifetime or it may not. Mm. That's not the point. Because when you go and read Ephesians, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the whole point of faith. And that is, is that Abraham and Isaac and, and David, and he goes down this list of people, they call it the hall of fame of faith. It said, every one of these people died without receiving the promise, but they lived as if the promise was real. 
Mm. And so when they died, then they received the promise, but that the, it didn't happen here on earth at that time. And so that's, what's really critical is that there's a promise to return. It is not changing. It will always be true. So let me read the next couple verses. Um, we're going back into Matthew, uh, chapter 24 verse 42 therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your lord is coming mm-hmm. matthew 25 13 watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour and then second peter three ten. but the day of the lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed so here you see the promise of it being unexpected in the 24th chapter of matthew jesus says you know he says it will be like two men working in a field you know and the guy turns around and boom the other guy's gone right you know so so Jesus is talking about this. He talks about it over and over again. And he says, the promise will be unexpected. Now here, here's the rub is that it also says to be aware of the times, right? You should be mm. aware of the times and wise are those who read the signs. So we want to read, you want to read signs. And you, so, but that's for the purpose of fulfilling the fourth promise, you know, of being prepared. But the real issue is in this one is that it's going to be unexpected. So I should, I should read this, the signs, the winds of the age in order to be prepared, but no matter how much I read them, I'll never know. Right. And, and so, you know, that you're injecting yourself a little bit when you try to get super specific, you know, it's like, well, I think Jesus is going to come back next, you know, know, August. I read the the Bible and all these things are happening. So it's got to be like in the next week or something like it's coming. It's It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. In 1988, I was just newly ordained into the ministry. I was a youth minister in Wichita, Kansas. And this guy wrote this book. And he was, I can't remember if he's a mathematician or an engineer. And he said he'd cracked the code of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And he said 88 reasons why Jesus will return on September 8th, 1988. Now, okay, isn't September basically the ninth month? So if you wanted to be consistent, wouldn't you pick August 8th? Right. Just saying. But anyway, this book went crazy. It went crazy. And this is before the internet. This is before any of that stuff. It was everywhere. And so it was a little pamphlet that people got and you could send in 50 cents or a dollar or whatever. And they'd mail you one and kind of a thing. You call a hotline, a 1-800 number that was big back then. So long and short of it is a lot of people, uh, I read a story about one guy who sold his house and took the equity and went out and bought a real expensive convertible. So that on the 8th of September, 1980, he was going to drive around in his convertible in, in his with the top down <laughs> so that he, you know, cause he was ready to go. Right. And now some people, oh, that's so silly, but I don't think you really realize what a big deal this is, is, is how people have interpreted this in the past. And that is, do you like shaker furniture? Have you ever seen the shaker style of furniture? Shaker furniture is really big in the antique world and you go back. And the thing about shaker furniture is that it's really clean lines, you know, with real thin legs and just really, it's just really, really clean. And, And what a lot of people don't realize is that the shakers believed that the second coming was happening right now. They knew it was coming. And so they created all of the furniture for their houses so that it could be removed 
very quickly so that they could run outside when they heard the trumpet. Because mm. they, they had figured out a trumpet blast, you know, because it says in Thessalonians, they'll hear the trumpet. They said, well, there'll be a trumpet blast blast and that's going to be about 12 seconds or 18 seconds or however long they figured i can't remember the exact amount but then what they would do is they would be they wanted to run outside so like what would happen is um around their tables they, they had a table in the center of the room and then they would sit at their chairs and then after every single meal they would take their chairs and hang them on a hook on the wall so they were out of the way so there could be no impediment to getting outside it's a fire marshal's dream right there. <laughs> right there. So fire marshals would love to have everyone have shaker furniture. <laughs> so so the point is, is these are illustrations to show you that people have tried to, with, with a very high degree of specificity, determine when Jesus is going to return. But the promise is, be ready, but you'll never know when. So let's move on to our next set of verses. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, um, this is Paul speaking. He says, but mark this, there will be a terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, having nothing to do with such people. What a list. That is a list, isn't it? Let me do this other one and then you can break these down. Second Peter three, three through four. This is Peter speaking. And it says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of yeah. creation. So he's saying, yeah. You're giving me some big passages there. Oh, wow, those are big ones, yeah. But basically what these are, these statements of what I call the promise of difficult times. And that is, is that there will be difficult times. Mm. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting about what COVID-19 did is that uh, I was reading some statistics that just came out this summer and mega churches are reporting and a mega church is a church that's you know it used to be over a thousand and now it's over two thousand i think or above but these really really big churches of five thousand ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand a lot of these really really big churches uh a, a year and a half after COVID hit they're all reporting a drop of 40 percent in attendance mm. at their churches and i was listening to a guy who's a pastor of a mega church of about 12,000 people. And he said what COVID, well, I was on this call and he was talking and it's, it's back uh, in the East. And he just said, well, what, what COVID has revealed to us is that we haven't done a very good job of discipleship. And we, we've got really good at uh, attracting people, but we were not very good at discipling people. And what happened is these people, what the research says uh, you know, sometimes I do have a little bit of a question about it because how well can you really track it? But you're, you do see a massive trend, 30 to 40% of people who thought, you know, I'm an active church going Christian really wasn't right. You know, the, and it's not that they're just like, well, I'm not going back to church in a building to worship. What happened is they, when it hit, they checked out, they didn't go online. They didn't do church at home. They didn't continue their small group. They just quit everything. Right. And they haven't returned. And so what that tells me is that 
their faith was not that big of a deal to them. Maybe it was a habit or maybe it was an expectation from other family members or whatever. Yeah. And now finally, because I I know in other areas, this is true. There are some other people that just quit bathing, you know, during COVID. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, well, I'm not going out anywhere and I don't have to do anything. (laughs) I was just like, man, that's kind of gnarly. If you ask me, (laughs) I don't know if you heard about this, but here's a real controversial thing that just came out. And that is Matthew McConaughey admitted that he hasn't used deodorant in 15 years. Wow. (laughs) The things you learn on the salty pastor, (laughs) you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Okay. The point (laughs) being is that difficult times will come and people who aren't prepared for difficult times always fold. Jesus told the parable of build your house upon the rock. rock. I just read this passage this morning, actually, yeah. in my devotionals. And so it, the foolish person builds it on the sand. The wise man builds it on the rock. Yeah. Because when the storms come and they are coming, you'll either fold or you'll stand. And so I think that's really important is that right now there's a huge sifting Mm. Uh, you could call it threshing, uh, where the chaff is being blown out of the church. And that is people who really maybe thought they had a faith, but in reality they, they didn't. Mm. And so what's happening is there's a purification in the church. This is why Foothills, what is really interesting is Foothills is so different. Cause I get on these calls and I listen to these people and they're all talking about how everything's down. They go, you know, and I'm like, I hope they don't ask me, you know, what's going on at Foothills. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, our, uh, we we brought more people to Christ last year than we did in the three years prior. We've got more people in small groups. We got our discipleship groups are growing. Our attendance is almost we're, doubled. We're doing opposite of what you guys are doing yeah. in your stats. So Yeah, and here's what's really interesting, because right at the first three months of COVID, you know, this was back in 2020, about the middle of the summer, I was talking to a different guy who's a pastor of a mega church in the Midwest. And he's a good friend, and we were just talking about it. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know what to think about this, because you're telling me you guys are like dropping off the cliff. And we're kind of going up. Mm. And he says, well, it's an aberration. It's just an aberration. You'll, you'll catch up to us. Well, you're just so small. You're not feeling it yet. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he was trying, yeah, to, trying put to say. On you. You're so small. You're not feeling it yet. Well, and I mean, he wasn't trying to be rude or mean. He was just trying to, you know, cause we're really good friends. He's just being honest. He says, yeah, it's going to hit you too. Da, 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 da. Well, now it's been over a year later and guess what? It's, still growing yeah stronger than it's ever been and i think that's because foothills is 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 the ethos of the salty pastor and that is look i want you to grow your faith so we focus on discipleship right you know we grow better in circles than rows and so when difficult times come when you hear all of these people we'll talk about this on thursdays about what slander and scoffing and conceit and treachery and all of this kind of stuff that's going on today and how it's being pointed at Christians. We're going to go into that pretty deeply on Thursday. But the the promise for us is that I need to be prepared because difficult times are coming. And I think one of the things that Foothills has tried to focus on is preparing people for the challenges that they will face. Right. And I think that's what people are really hungry for right now. So we got to wrap up here soon, but we've got one more category. So let's just talk about this last promise and how we should be preparing for all of these things that will be coming 
whenever they come. Well, if you're really re- interested in the end times, and I'm going to share this uh, hopefully on Sunday when I preach, and that is is that the best place to get started is read Matthew chapter 24 and then read Matthew chapter 25. Because 24 talks about the last days and the Son of Man will return. And then Matthew chapter 25 talks about how to be prepared. And he basically tells three stories, three parables. He tells the parable of the ten virgins. He tells the parable of the talents or the bags of gold. And then he tells the parable of the sheep and the goats. The parable of the ten virgins in a nutshell is that they went to a wedding and they were waiting for the party to start. It can't start until the bridegroom shows up. Well, five were prepared and five weren't. Five had invested in waiting. The other five were like, no, we'll just wait. So when they went to go get oil for their lamps, they ran out. They came back. Well, the party already started. They missed out. Mm. The The parable of the talents is, is that the master gave his servants, you know, his employees, three different amounts. The, the two went out and took what they got and doubled it. The one was so afraid he buried it in the backyard and gave back to him. And so that is... You better use the talents that God has gifted you with. And then the, the sheep and the goats is basically how do we take who we said we were and apply it to the world, to those who were sick and those who were needy and those who were hungry and those who were naked. And the end is, is that the sheep and the goats are separated and the goats say, well, Jesus, when did we ever see you naked? And when did we ever see you this? And what he was basically saying is you say you have faith, but you do nothing nothing to help those less fortunate than you. You didn't give any money to your church. You don't, you, you don't serve in, in, in a church. You don't serve in a thing that helped ease the suffering of other people. You make no sacrifice. All you are concerned about is yourself going to heaven. He separates those people. And then he looks at the sheep and, he, and they go, well, when did we see you naked? When do we, and he says, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Mm which is, so how do you prepare? The promise of preparation is that you will be honored by Jesus himself when you're prepared for his return. Okay. And how do you do that? Well, number one is you invest in the right things like the 10 virgin story says. Number two is you take whatever it is God gave you. doesn't matter what's in your hands of, you know, the cards in the hand. All of us have something, right, that we've been given, and we need to use that for the sake of the master. Not our own sake, but the sake of the master. And then finally, we need to, our our faith needs to have an existential component for it. And this is one of the things that I love about Foothills. Um, You know, during COVID, we had, prior to COVID, there were 23 food banks in the Treasure Valley, right? These are places where they distribute food. Right. And so... Uh, when COVID hit, uh, out of those, we are one of the top two uh, in size and the amount of people and amount of food that we run through here each week. So what happened is when COVID hit, more than half of them shut down. Oh, man. Yeah. Just because they, they weren't able to. And so now we, uh, and, but we ramped up. We, we found out a way to be safe and do it. We ramped up. And, and I just think that's just a great thing about the ethos of Foothills. And that is, is that we, we just don't, you know, talk about how to be salty, how to grow in our faith, but we want to find real world ways to apply our faith to make a difference in easing the suffering of other human beings so that they can meet Jesus as well. Absolutely. 
Well, I'm sure we could spend hours discussing these topics, and we still have a Thursday podcast as yes. well. We're going to di- continue diving into being prepared. Um, but we just thank you guys so much for joining us today here on the Salty Pastor. We encourage you to start having some discussions about what you learned today. Read some of these passages we talked about. Start looking at them for yourself. Look at different translations because it may be revealing to you um, and hearing it in a different way and start challenging what you're believing about um, the end times yeah. and your own faith. So just have conversations, be doing your own research and just, uh, tune in on Thursday so we can talk a little bit more about being prepared here at Foothills Christian Church in beautiful Boise, Idaho. Buzzings.